Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. When you've been through something similar, unfortunately, un- these unfortunate circumstances can bond people, and that's what they said it was like. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. The first few days matter the most when police are investigating violent crimes. Many people, fortunately, they get those answers and they get closure, but many other families, they don't. Seven-year-old Janice Pocket disappeared from Tolland, Connecticut in 1973. 23 years later, and about 20 miles away, 35-year-old Diana Ferris was killed in Hartford. What these two cases have in common is that they're both still unsolved and family members of Janice Pocket and Diana Ferris are still waiting for answers. And so that common ground of the unknown, I think, uh, unites you. You never know what it's like unless you've been through it. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com odyssey. That's greenlight.com odyssey. DeAndrea Turner is joining us from Fox 61 in Hartford, Connecticut. DeAndrea, first off, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. You recently worked on a story about two families in Connecticut who are searching for answers in the cold cases of their loved ones. The first of these two cases is the 1973 disappearance of a seven-year-old girl from the town of Tallinn, Connecticut. Tell us about Janice Pocket. Yes, well, interestingly enough, Janice Pocket was one of three girls who disappeared between the late 60s and early 1970s. It was the first time that she was ever allowed to ride her bike on her own, and she wanted to go see if a butterfly that her and her sister tried to rescue was still there. And her mom and her sisters, they had just got done grocery shopping, and her mom was like, yeah, you know what, just go on your own. And her sister told me that she feels like that her mom regretted that day up until the day of her death because it was the first time she was actually having a little bit of independence and they haven't seen her since. Tell us a little bit more about your conversation with Janice Pocket's sister, Mary Engelbrecht. She was young at the time, but what does she remember about the day her older sister went missing? 
she said that the day that they went to go look for her sister, when they saw the bike up the hill, that she knew that something was wrong. And she said because she was six years old, she doesn't remember too much, but she definitely remembers that was the day that everything changed. And something that's interesting that I didn't mention in my story was she told me that her and her sister were arguing over something. You know how sisters do. We argue about absolutely everything. Um, And she says that she thinks that her mom was just like, okay, Janice, go to try to diffuse the situation. And she in herself kind of feels a type of way about that day, but she doesn't harbor it too much. But she was like, yeah, it's, it's never been the same since she saw the bike up the hill. Of course, this case is unsolved. We still don't know what happened to Janice Pocket, but what has the investigation into her disappearance looked like over the years? Well, interestingly enough, in 2014, a cold case task force in the county that Tallinn is actually Tallinn County, they formed a cold case task force for this missing person and two other girls who disappeared in the late 1960s into early 1970s out of the Tallinn County area. And when I spoke to investigators, they said, of course, they get tips every now and then. But I think that it's interesting that even like when the night, it happened in 1970s and they didn't give up hope. Like Janice Pocket is a renowned name. It's known nationally. And for them all these years later in 2014 to form this task force and it's still being a task force in 2022, they don't have any leads as of now, but they're there. Do we know if investigators believe Janice Pocket's case is connected to those two other cases? Is that something they've talked about? They've talked about it, but they can't connect any case. And actually, there was a suspect. His name was Charles Pierce. He confessed that he killed Janice and buried her in an unidentified, um, next to an unidentified boy. But this theory was later dismissed. But to the other two girls, they don't know if they're related or not related. But there are three girls in Tallinn County that they haven't seen in decades. What did Mary Engelbrecht say it's been like for her family to not only lose a family member, a sister, a daughter, but to now have gone nearly 50 years without knowing what happened to her? What has that been like for this family? She says that there's not a day that she goes by that she doesn't think about her sister. She was her older sister. They were just a year apart. And her mom and dad, unfortunately, they're deceased now. So it's kind of her job now to make sure that Janice's name is not forgotten. Is she hopeful that she will get answers someday as to what happened to her sister? She is. She is. She's, I asked her that, and she says, hopefully in my lifetime. The second case you looked at for this recent story is unconnected to the disappearance of Janice Pocket, but it happened not too far away. Tell us about Diana Ferris. Yes. So this happened about 20 years later in the city of Hartford. Um, She was pregnant and she was strangled to death um, in her Hartford apartment. And yes, they're not connected, but there's a little intertwined connection that I did between the sister of Janice Pocket and the daughter of her. What did Diana Ferris's daughter, Miranda Vandeventer, tell you about the investigation into her mother's death? Does she think enough was done to try to solve this case? 
Oh, absolutely not. Um, her mom, she was, unfortunately, she was a drug addict. Um, she was killed on the north end of Hartford, which is notoriously known for violence. Even to this day in the area that she was killed in, there are still unsolved murders right in those apartment complexes, other unsolved murders. And so she says that if she was a pillar of this community, um, if she was a teacher, a lawyer, a doctor, or just someone who was an upstanding citizen in the laws, in the eyes of the law, that something else would have been different. There would have been more eyes on this case. And fortunately, the investigator who was on this case now um, is really passionate about it. Right. You spoke to a detective who's currently on the case. He's been working this case for the last five years. What did he tell you about where the investigation stands today? He says right now there are new D- there is new DNA, excuse me, and um, they're just trying to work to piece it together. There is DNA in this case, and uh, we're actively looking at it. Um, we have identified uh, a few people um, that are related to, to Diana's case, and we're excited that we're making headway. I actually saw some pictures of the crime scene. And I asked him, "Has have her children ever seen these pictures? And he says he doesn't believe so. And they were gruesome. They were horrible pictures. Um, too gruesome to show on television. And I was just thinking about, like, if they do get this break in this case, is it a person who's already in prison? Is it not a person who's in prison? And he was saying the perfect thing about this which, you know, can't be perfect with unsolved crime. But I guess the silver lining is that it's been so long since it happened. So people who were loyal to other people back then may not have that loyalty now. And people will maybe more willing to come forward with what they know. Um, So I think that's a really interesting thing. But back to the pictures, if they do catch this person, there may be a trial and these images may come out and this family may see how badly their mother was beaten and strangled for the first time in almost 30 years. The two women that you spoke to about these two different cases, Janice Pocket's sister and Diana Ferris's daughter, they actually live in the same town now and they didn't know each other until you started looking into these cases what did they tell you it's been like to meet each other and to have this this unfortunate connection? What was really interesting is I was talking to Diana Ferris's daughter on the phone on my way from another story, and I was telling her how I was doing this story as well. And she's like, oh my gosh, I live in Tolland. And I was like, no kidding. And it and I was I came back to my producer and I was like, they live in the same town. How can we connect this? Like I was it was one of those, like you know how like we say the news gods are on our side. It was one of those moments because I knew that I was doing these two stories, but I had no idea how I was going to connect them until she told me that. Um, and then we were able to get them together. And Janice Pocket's sister, she actually holds a ceremony every five years, I believe, for her disappearance and in honor of other cold cases across the state of Connecticut. And she says now, um, Diana Ferris's daughter, she invited her to be a speaker next year um, at the ceremony. So it was kind of like a when you've been through something similar Unfortunately, these unfortunate circumstances can bond people, and that's what they said it was like. 
If anyone listening to this has any information about either of these cases, please call Connecticut's cold case tip line at 1-866-623-8057 or send an email to cold.case at ct.gov. DeAndrea Turner with Fox 61 in Hartford. Thanks for sharing these stories. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're right here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever it is you're listening right now. If you're looking for something else to listen to, I encourage you to check out Vault Studio's newest podcast series. It's called Intent, the Tex McIver case. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.